Hello and welcome to the Global Health Chat. Wait, are we doing that together? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of medical students from all around Australia who make up the senior editorial team of the AMSA Journal of Global Health. So let's start off with introducing ourselves. I'm Tara, second year medical student at Griffith Gold Coast. Hi, I'm Maurice. I'm a final year medical student at UNSW Sydney. And I'm Steph. I'm a final year medical student at Deakin University in Melbourne. Um, so basically, just to get us started, we wanted to have a little preamble about why we decided to start a podcast. So we decided we needed something extra to sort of help engage all of our medical students who are you know, constantly on the go. They don't have time to sit down and read the journal itself. We can provide some audio recordings of different articles, interviews with authors and some discussions of some you know, relevant global health topics just amongst our editorial team. So it just makes it a bit easier for you guys to all access all of our fantastic content. And just some disclaimers before we get going, we are not doctors yet, and any of the statements made within this podcast should not be considered medical advice, so please follow the advice of your doctor or health authority for the most up-to-date and appropriate medical advice. Um, This podcast is just intended to represent a conversation amongst some medical students who are very engaged in global health. Yeah, so disclaimers aside, Steph, I have a question for you. So we've all been social distancing, right? Yeah. What's the weirdest thing you've gotten up to? Well, other than the standard business clothes on top, PJs <laughs> on the bottom for every meeting. Classic. you, you got to do it at least once. Yeah. Um, oh, so the weirdest thing was probably yesterday, actually. So we had a giant huntsman spider in the house and he was just sitting on the yeah. ceiling of our staircase, like the highest possible point in the house that we cannot reach. That's not okay. No, oh my God. And my housemate actually has a phobia of spiders. So this was particularly funny. <laughs> funny is the wrong word, but it was kind of fun. Um, <laughs> and again, cause we weren't quite game enough to go out and buy the bug spray at the shops. Like we probably normally would. We just sort of started catapulting like stuffed animals and rolled up socks. At the ceiling. <laughs> That's one way to go about it. <laughs> just trying to knock it down so we could, you know, take care of it. And look, hey, it worked out. Can vouch. This was an effective spider reduction method. So. Oh, my oh, my. I should write a study. Well, <gasps> sure. Case report. <laughs> and, oh, my goodness, you talking about that. Like, I'm reminded of the gecko, like this deceased gecko on my windowsill. Um, like, I want to get rid of her, like, in an honorable way. But I'm just lacking the stuffed animals to catapult her into her grave. Oh, no. Struggling. Any tips, Steph? Um, Would be much appreciated. Well, I found that using a stuffed Elmo was definitely, um, yeah, that was overkill. Like small teddy teddy bears with like weighted bean bags in them. That that did the trick. Yeah. I think I'm going to add that to my shopping list. Yeah. Can't say I've got one lying around. Essential items for sure. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Maurice? Have you had any weird experiences in isolation? I mean... I had an experience that was definitely weird for me. Um, spent, uh, stayed up late last night till like 3 a.m. trying to learn the hip new slang that the <laughs> teenagers use now from my 14-year-old brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, just nothing to make you feel old than a teenager telling you a bunch of words that you have no idea, like, what it's meant to mean oh just don't do it just don't talk to teenagers it's too hard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so guys just as a pro tip when they say that 
someone sweats, that doesn't mean they're like sweaty and, you know, they're just exercise. Apparently means they're trying too hard. So you don't want to be someone who sweats. Just saying. Mm. So to perspire is to put more effort in. Yes. What this but in a non-cool way. Makes sense. Makes complete sense. A little bit, yeah. I get it. How about you, Tara? Have you done anything particularly weird? Man, like time's kind of flowed by. I'm losing grips of where I'm at on on the days and dates and probably starting this podcast with the two of you. Like what a surreal thing to (laughs) just be rocking up to on the weekend, eh? Oh, absolutely. Never thought I'd start a podcast, but here we are. Here we are. It's been a good bonding experience I so think, far. I think so. Last two minutes. Yeah, yeah. I feel closer to you guys already. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess, you know, just to put it in a bit more of a serious tone, just to put things into context. So today on the 28th of March, so as of 2 p.m., you know, we're all kind of dealing with the changing world we're in now. Worldwide, there have been over you know, 500,000 cases of COVID reported. And according to John Hopkins University, at least 25,000 people have unfortunately passed from this disease. So, you know, it is a really weird time of change and you know, mm. this is what we all have to go through. Absolutely. It's a yeah, yeah. very difficult time for the world. Yeah, definitely. important for us to really understand what these words truly mean. I think media's really been throwing many different words at us. It, it can be quite confusing. So I keep hearing the words like SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. Mm. I'm confused. Can, can someone help me out here? Absolutely. So we'll start with coronaviruses because this was the you know, first thing we started calling it. So the coronaviruses are actually a large family of viruses which may cause illness in animals or humans. Um, which is very different to SARS-CoV-2, which, uh, Maurice, if you want to take it away. SARS-CoV-2, yeah, is the virus itself that's causing this disease. Mm. In the same way that, like, HIV viruses, virus can cause AIDS, SARS-CoV-2 causes COVID-19. Is that how it works? Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. yeah. Perfect. I mean, not perfect. That's not ideal at all. But, um, <laughs> but what, are, what are some <laughs> symptoms, I guess, we should be looking out for? Oh, I guess the most common ones are fever, which is appears in like 90% of people who get this virus, and also a dry cough. But, you know, it could be things like feeling tired, um, more sputum production than normal, and feeling short of breath. But keep in mind, though, that 80% of those infected will only have mild symptoms and probably won't need to go to the hospital. But it's those people who are elderly or have an underlying health condition that are more prone to serious illness. Mm. Yeah, and I guess to protect these vulnerable populations, we should really be mindful of how COVID-19 really spreads. Can anyone give me a little bit more insight into this? Yeah, so it's via droplets that it seems to spread. So this means that anything um, from a cough to a sneeze or just being in close face-to-face contact with someone for 15 minutes, this can increase the risk of spread. So the virus can actually survive on different surfaces as well for different lengths of time. And this is why it's really important to wipe down those potentially infected surfaces like your phone, your wallet, your keys, door handles, um, basically anything. Another thing important to remember is that there's an incubation period for this virus, which is between one and 14 days with an average of about five days. Um, So and it is possible to be infectious during this incubation period. 
Um, so the best ways we can, can spread, this is going to be hand hygiene and decontaminating those surfaces. So I guess that means we should be sticking to, you know, the general guidelines of social distancing and isolating and quarantine. I feel like I'm listing words. Like, what are we really talking about here? Yeah, they're definitely all getting bandied about a little bit like synonyms, but there are a couple of important differences. So social distancing, this is um, a slew of tactics that's meant to maintain that 1.5 metres between people and try and stop people from congregating in large groups. Whereas quarantine is more restricting the movement or isolating people um, who you might have COVID but aren't confirmed. Right. And so they don't have any symptoms at this stage, which is really different to isolation, which is where we're separating people with confirmed or probable infections from other healthy people. So perhaps in a designated room that other people can't enter or some governments are even organizing for hotel rooms for people who require very strict isolation. Okay. It's really nice to have this all, you know, kind of cleared up a little bit more because sometimes it does feel like words um, and I think it's important to have an understanding of this. Uh, but in addition to, I guess, understanding what COVID-19 is, I think it's important to have a little bit of perspective from you guys. Like, how, how are we coping with COVID-19 as medical students? Do you mind starting us off with this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely a weird time. Um, I think we're all coping in really different ways and I think everyone's genuinely doing their best, which is really important to mention just from the get-go. For me, our clinical school has actually stopped having students in the hospital for the time being, um, just for the past few weeks. So it's a really weird time to be a final year medical student. Um, also important note, our school has actually been really supportive and really engaged with us like every step of the way, like giving us updates and organizing meetings like via Zoom. Um, so they've been like really, really helpful and like working so hard to make sure that we're feeling as supported as possible and making sure that we're able to comply with the isolation requirements and still keep going with all of our studies. So that's been really good. But I know a lot of us, we were just, we were really excited for our final year. And, you know, we were really enjoying finally getting the hang of this whole medicine business. And now, yeah, and now sort of day by day, the future just looks more and more uncertain. And some of us have now flown interstate to isolate with our families. Some of us have decided it's safest not to see our families at all, especially if they're in these at-risk groups. So it's yeah very hard to be kind of constantly worried about your family and friends becoming unwell and to know that the best thing you can do is actually just to stay away. And then there's all of the existing patients who are no longer receiving care, like due to the virus, either taking up resources at the hospital or if the hospitals become too high a risk environment for our immunocompromised patients. So it's affecting everyone and we're all just like not just stressed for ourselves and our education, but stressed for yeah. all of our loved ones and all of the patients that we've come to know. So it's a very strange time. Stress for those around us, absolutely. Yeah, and even hearing about all the other final year medical students in other countries who are already being recruited into the workforce, they've already been promoted. Um, and it just makes you feel very unsure of what you should be doing. Like, should we be prepping for final exams, reviewing clinical procedures, working on research assessments? It just becomes quite daunting not really knowing what you should be doing. And I guess it's a really unusual position where we're sort of able and willing to help but we're kind of just waiting on that green light to go at the moment 
you know, sitting in that kind of weird gray area between, you know, you're not a doctor, but you're, you know, not just a student. You've, you know, you do have some skills that you can bring to the table. But and then that's nothing to say of also the increased risk of exposure to the virus we're potentially subjecting ourselves to if we do um, into the hospital. Like one of my cousins in Ireland has actually just been admitted to the ICU um, with COVID-19. And yeah, he's my age without any other health problems before he got the virus. But like, even though it's unusual and rare, it can still strike down people who are, you know, healthy. It's funny to hear that stuff. Yeah, but what about you, Maurice? How's it affected you? You're a final year as well, so. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you that there is a lot of uncertainty and I think that's just because we don't know where this is going to go. We don't know what's going to happen next, how it will progress and what the needs will be exactly. You know, and but I mean, our university has still kept us going to our placements and um, they've advised that we continue as willing as the doctors are to have us there. But I can kind of sense, you know, even in the teams I'm joining in, these doctors, they're already quite stressed in trying to run practices as normal. You know, when everything else has been turned upside down, like you said, you know, resources are just so limited and they're working with so much less time and, you know, those hospital resources that there usually is. So how are they supposed to incorporate, you know, teaching students and, you know, letting them be part of the team as usual when nothing about this situation, you know, is usual. It's so new to everyone and you can tell it's very difficult to navigate sometimes. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. And like you said, like we are navigating through really unpredictable times and it's certainly really hard to focus on being normal and maintaining that usual flow of things when our surroundings certainly do provide us with confronting facts to focus on, like you both mentioned, um, on a personal level and also, you know, on a professional level for you both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess before, because of that, um, for me, I guess procrastination has been a very high thing on my agenda, you know, in a, in, in a light sense as well, um, for sure. But also because of all this news that's been coming in, I think we're really occupied um, mentally and emotionally with, you know, what's happening in the world around us, that it tends to take priority over the daily tasks that we should be undertaking. Being a preclinical student there, there's that sense of helplessness, Uh, The gap is gaping and there's a real disparity between what you know and what you can actually do. Mm, Absolutely. And I think that's a really important like point to like hone in on. Yeah, let's have a quick chat about that. Hey, like what what we could be doing as medical students if, you know, we are taken off placements, if we are taken out of uni temporarily. Mm, No, absolutely. There's lots of things we can do because, I mean, even though we do have that sense of helplessness, like we do have a really important role as health advocates in the community. And that's you know something they've drummed into us since we first got into med school. I remember saying people are now going to ask for your advice in a very different way and just to be aware of that. So now is a really great time for us to lead by example when it comes to things like social distancing. So not throwing parties, not, you know, go, going out to cafes and things and trying to practice good hand hygiene and things like that. 
but like even other little community ideas that have um, been happening in different schools. Like one of the things our school is doing, we've got a little community program where students can list their names if they're willing to participate and you can like volunteer to help some doctors in the hospitals. Like if they need help with groceries, if they need help with, you know, babysitting kids or tutoring or, you know, anything like that. Um, So just to sort of support that existing health workforce. Yeah. That's definitely within our realm of like capabilities as well. Yeah, definitely. I think you're so right in like medical students demonstrating these alternatives. Like we have a role in society um, to take action and to demonstrate like if you're not going to rock up to a party or initiate one, we could always go online and set up an online social distancing party or, Mm. you know, online meets or, you know, those alternatives um, that we can do in the community as well to lend a helping hand. What are your thoughts, Maurice? Yeah, I think with what Steph said in that people will be asking for our advice in a way that maybe they wouldn't if we didn't have this knowledge. I think, you know, with all this kind of anxiety coming around and maybe, you know, articles claiming this and claiming that, I think we do have a role in maybe sharing what we know and maybe to a panicked aunt or relative or friend, you know, sharing what we know with them and saying, you know, this isn't like this is a dire situation, but you know, there are things that are happening. Um, you know, this fake remedy might not be such a great idea to try. <laughs> Just kind of fact checking and things like that. Yeah. We do have a bit more kind of knowledge in the background that the average person may not have. Definitely. Drinking Absolutely. hot water will not work. That's something we've found out. <laughs> Like I definitely had um, someone texted me saying that someone was saying if you drank really hot liquids, that could prevent the virus from surviving. You know, you, know, you just sort of think uh, oh, there's like so much misinformation that just sort of gets out. Uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're definitely seeing that, hey, in our shops and stuff and pharmacies with certain drugs and supplies running out based on certain rumors and mm. reactions, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess not super relevant <laughs> to what we're talking about, but also relevant. Um, Bundy and Bean Lee Rum Distilleries have actually started donating ethanol wow. and switching up their production oh, wow. to hand sanitizer. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah, so I thought that was a pretty fun fact and really cool to see our community coming together in, you know, unique ways. <laughs> so that's why the rum is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I said it I've yeah. just got to get my little Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean reference in there where I can. That's exactly it. <laughs> oh, and we've and also got entertainers. Um, so like Ellen DeGeneres, Miley Cyrus, they're all doing their part for advocacy as well, like just using their platforms as much as they can to try and encourage everyone to stay home. Yeah. So I think regardless of, you know, who we are, where we're at, what we do, there's a lot of space to creatively help and make our own impact in the ways that we can, no matter how small. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. And what a time to live in. Like never could have imagined that a pandemic of this size would invade our doorstep and cause such a stir. Like it really, it really has. And this one's from Jacinta, a final year student from Bondini. As we continue to move further into uncharted territory, I, alongside many other final year medical students, can't help but wonder what will become of us. I imagine this is what it would have felt like for men in the 1900s as they waited nervously to hear if they would need to be enlisted into the army. Yeah. This reminds me of a piece I read earlier this week from a doctor mom um, to a child. She analogizes working in the front line to being enlisted to fight as well. Um, it's a battle she <clears throat> willingly um, will fight to keep her community safe. And 
I mean, at the end of the day, it's all hands on deck when the ship is sinking. Yeah, and I guess that's regardless of whatever your part is, whether it's you know maintaining a 1.5 meter distance to the person in front of you, or you know even just coming into work every day because you have to. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely some uncertainty though around where we as medical students fit on this spectrum. But some general trends we are seeing, and feel free to jump in, guys, are that assessments are being delayed and moved online. Placement requirements are being modified. Yeah, and we've got overseas and interstate electives and selectives. They're all being cancelled. <laughs> and then there's alternative um, MD projects that are going on and all yeah. different modules being offered as well. Yeah, and it, as it currently stands, all efforts are being made for university students to remain embedded in the clinical setting where it is safe and practical. However, our PPA supplies are diminishing and cases are rapidly increasing and safety really needs to be considered seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess moving on to, a, to the situation in Northern Queensland, it has been developing a little slower given their geographic isolation. But we have a quote here from Kira, a fourth year at JCU. So she goes on to say, our university has responded promptly and with careful consideration. All preclinical teaching has been moved online Fourth year placements cancelled until at least late July, while fifth and sixth years have been on placement as per usual. This was the only responsible decision given the way our hospital is set up. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And you can sort of imagine that like places like Townsville and rural Queensland were you know, generally lacking the same resources you might find in a metropolitan counterpart. It sort of mm-hmm. makes sense as a strategy. Yeah, I think it would put a serious strain on like regional Queensland ED and ICU systems to kind of keep on going as if, you know, things haven't changed. Mm. Yeah. Hence the cheeky quetzit proposal, hey? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, on a more serious note, it is particularly concerning for the vulnerable communities. Yeah, especially for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who Ada has predicted to have a 20 to 30% mortality rate for COVID-19. And that's compared to the 3% mortality that's predicted for the rest of the population. Oh, it's a huge difference. Yeah. And continuing on with um, Kira's concerns, she's also mentioned um, her concern for students at JCU because a quarter of them are actually international students and there are many domestic too. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there's certainly been that rush to return home. I'm seeing that in just all parts of Australia, mm. really, um, because of the uncertainties and, you know, that stress of, you know, borders closing and, yeah, really that uncertainty around that. Um, and finally, I guess, a quote to finish Queensland off and JCU, uh, despite the uncertainty and stress of, fully online learning. I am personally loving the 8am lectures live streamed to me from the comfort of my bed, although I am very severely missing my friends. Can anyone else in the room relate to this? Oh, massively. (laughs) I feel so much. Yes, Kara. It's just not the same. Yeah. So I think we've got another quote from um, one of the medical students from New South Wales, um, they wish to remain anonymous and have made their medical school anonymous as well. Um, Maurice, do you want to read this one? Sure. So she says, Wilkes were eager and grateful to be able to get involved in managing COVID-19. The chaos surrounding our final examinations and training for the role has been quite stressful. 
Due to time constraints, limited training for the pre-internship role has caused concerns regarding the level of responsibility being thrust upon us. Additionally, the change in the structure of our final year has left questions regarding the impact on our internship and future careers. Um, and just to be clear, they um, at this medical school, they've been told that they'll be sitting their final exams um, in under a month. Um, yeah. So they've been told basically study, um, study your butts off and then it's basically wow. time to try and see if we're ready to be doctors. But I can't imagine that kind of stress right now, like on top of everything else that we're sort of trying to grapple with. Yeah, really hammers in that uncertainty that everyone's kind of struggling with different things happening in different unis and not quite knowing what the next month let alone the rest of the year is going to bring oh, hey, the next yeah. day is going to bring <laughs> it's that looming question of are we going to graduate like especially for you final years i can mm. definitely see that being a concern um and just trying to get your hours down pat as well mm. um and i guess moving down from new south wales we're heading to tassie let's not forget tassie, no, um, tassie. they're facing very similar challenges um, but having a smaller cohort does mean there's a lot more collaboration between different years and societies so we have a quote here from a student at utas um, what she basically said is i feel very fortunate as a student i don't have to worry about finances as much and i'm not the one who's scrambling to make decisions about teaching and assessments Surrounded by so much uncertainty, it's a relief to just not have to think about things like that. Absolutely. And I've got to just throw a shout out to all of the amazing administrative staff that have been organizing all of our Zoom tutorials, like coordinating with all of the consultants and teachers um, to try and make sure that our medical education continues the way it is. Because the stress that they're going through as well on top of like all of the normal um, pandemic um, stress, it's unbelievable and they're doing an amazing job Absolutely. yeah definitely um coming to the hospital as well um so one of the interns um i've spoken with from around australia we've had a couple of people come in because again they're really only a few months ahead of us in a lot of ways so three months ago they were medical students really and again it's only march now so they're still sort of learning the ropes as um, new doctors so this was an interesting perspective from one of them and they've said uh, this expected risk is something that was briefly mentioned in medical school but definitely not something i thought about beforehand is this what we really signed up for so we accept more danger to ourselves to be able to help um, provide health care in a time of a health crisis and it's considered a duty one thing I feel about the situation is how much we should do. So the hospital has asked if staff want to put their names down for extra work, and this can include working in COVID-specific teams. Is this our duty to put our hand up if we can and accept the extra risk? I don't know, but I lean towards thinking that my duty is to do my rostered hours, although I have put my name down if they need the extra people. But then that feeds into the imposter syndrome that most new or junior doctors and even medical students go through. This feeling that you don't deserve to be there, that you don't know enough. I'm not sure I feel that helpful in this situation with such a low level of experience and expertise. But in saying that, I do feel it is a privilege to be able to do something that might help in this crisis. To feel like you're helpful, that you're contributing is one of the best parts, even in a small way, and is one of the more rewarding parts of internship so far. And to be able to help in what I think will be a historic event is something that I value. 
So I thought that was a really interesting perspective on what it's like to be like a very junior doctor at the forefront of this entire crisis. Like, Wow. It's like, you know, you're in the frying pan, suddenly, you know, jump into the fire because you have to. And it seems like this intern's really taking it as best as they can, trying to, you know, do their best. Uh, I think they're doing a phenomenal job. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And it really earned in on the question of, like, as an intern or as a junior doctor, like, are we making a meaningful contribution to the team or becoming more of a deterrence to the efficiency of care towards mm. patients? I think he's really explored this idea. And I think that's a constant dilemma that, you know, interns, students on clinical rotations do feel mm. and battle with each day. Definitely. And I think it's also really important to mention. So every time I've ever brought this up with, you know, either an intern or a consultant or or anyone that where I was sort of having the same sort of self-doubt, they have immediately told me, you are a valuable member of our team. Do not doubt that. You know, it doesn't always feel like it, but you, you know, you have an important role to play in the entire health team. So just always remember that and just be confident in that. Yeah, I think we've gathered some really valuable insight into how medical students see it from all throughout Australia, all the way up from JCU, Northern Queensland, down to Tassie, and you know, pre-clin students to even interns themselves. And I think it's important that we weave these experiences together um, and bring it together to you know, actually have a bit of a conversation about what us as Australian medical students believe. And I think AMSA, the Australian Medical Student Association, has put it really, really, really well. Um, So they do support, um, AMSA does support the idea of medical students joining the COVID-19 workforce. Yeah, and I think this will be necessary down the line when, you know, workforce shortages possibly, you know, happen to kind of accommodate for them. Definitely. And it's certainly better than the alternative where you bring back retired or older doctors and nurses who might be more vulnerable to COVID-19 as well. That's it. Exactly. And And I think the main emphasis from AMSA is that, you know, any introduction of doctors to the workforce is done so in a way that really does protect our incoming workforce, um, that it should be voluntary, it should fulfill clinical placement requirements, um, it should be protected. So like with indemnity insurance, right? And PPE, of course. (laughs) And PPE. Um, Yeah. Um, And they also outline the necessity for endorsement by the university and several other support measures. We'll we'll link in the full details. um, Mm. Yeah, AMS has released a really nice statement on this that we'll link everybody to as well. Yeah. Okay. So I think that brings us sort of to the end. So I thought we might finish off with a couple of um, tips to stay sane while we're in a social um, lockdown at the moment. So Maurice, you've actually had some really good tips um, for me that I've tried to take on. Do you want to take it away? Yeah, sure. So I was kind of self-isolating the other week and I have to say, maybe a bit stir crazy. (laughs) So I've come up with some necessary strategies to keep me from going insane. Um, And I guess the top of my list recently is, um, you know, act like you're going somewhere. Act like you're still going to your placement. I mean, maybe sleep in a little bit because you technically don't have to travel to your placement, right? But, um, you know, wake up at a reasonable time. Put on some clothes that make you look presentable to the outside world. Mm. You know, 
maybe, I mean, Steph, you've already gone to a good start with the business talk. <laughs> I'm starting from the top going. down. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely. Down. I'll lose yeah. the PJ bottoms eventually, I promise. <laughs> baby steps, baby yeah. steps. But yeah, just dressing to put you in that mindset of I'm going to be productive today. And, you know, I'm doing some, I have a purpose for the day and I'm going to go do it. Yeah, I love that. And it's definitely, it's like the whole idea of, you know, dress for the job you want, right? So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I would like to be a medical student in my placement. <laughs> Same. But I'm responsibly staying indoors when I can. Oh, perfect. I love it. And yeah, it's sort of similar to my one as well. So mine was really just all about routine, routine, routine. If you can get into a good flow so that every day, you know, you have your breakfast, lunch and dinner at roughly the same time, you're trying to do your exercise in the same sort of time block, getting that those study sections done as well, tutorials, trying to schedule them in as best as you can, the way, you know, they might have been scheduled before. Like it just makes a huge difference knowing roughly what to expect from your own day. Like, especially when you're surrounded by so much uncertainty everywhere else. And another thing I had, um, me and my housemate have been trying to do was like little daily goals. So we found three was a good number. We had one goal for work. So like watch this tutorial or study this topic and one goal for exercise. So that could be like just walking around, you know, the block or something with proper social distancing. And then we had one goal for fun. And, you know, that could be anything like trying to do an arts and craft project or watching an episode of a show that someone recommended. Speaking of extra time, well, maybe you should consider submitting for the Amsterdam of Global Health. Oh, yes. I mean... Absolutely. Please send us more submissions. Like if you have a cool art idea for a global health topic, if you haven't like, you know, a literature review that you submitted and you felt like you did pretty well on, if you've just got a rough idea of something you're interested in, you've never written before and you know, you just want to see what it's like to work, you know, with a journal, please send us something, send us like an email just saying, Hey, and we will guide you through the whole process. Like, so yeah, please send us anything. Yeah. And I thought we'll start with a plug as well before we finish up. So our next episode is going to feature one of our authors who is going to be talking about their article on cross-border surrogacy and and some several other episodes we're also planning, which will have more of a focus on the global perspective for COVID-19 and how it's impacted some medical students from all over the world. So that's something else to look out for. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to our very first episode of the Global Health Chat. We're looking forward to many more chats to come. But until then, stay safe, stay social. We distanced. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and don't forget to wash your hands after you <laughs> like and subscribe. Wait, are we putting this on YouTube? Well, we can always pretend. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry. We'll, we'll fit a like and subscribe button in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Ha <laughs> <Hi. laughs>